Revelation chapter yeah, 4 Jesus. says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things for Thy pleasure. They are and were created. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, listen to me. Listen to me right at the end of your Bibles here in Revelation chapter 4. We see that the angelic uh, beings, the 24 elders, they're falling down and they're saying, You're worthy. You're worthy, O Lord. You're worthy to receive the glory and honor and power. You're worthy because you have created all things and you've created it for your pleasure. This is all for you. It's not all for us, it's all for you. Keep cut, almost Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we have to be told these things, folks, because it certainly doesn't occur to our flesh. Our flesh says, well, I didn't choose to be born. I didn't choose to be created. Why do I have to do this and do that? And the Bible says he deserves glory and honor Amen. because he created us. He deserves glory and honor. Come on, we know Psalm 100. Psalm 100, folks. Thank you, Jesus. We know the scripture. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. We are the sheep of his pasture. He's made us. We haven't made ourselves. We haven't made ourselves, folks. He's our God. He's our creator. He's our maker. Amen. On the second uh, letter of Peter, Peter, uh, second Peter rather, we're looking all the way at the end of second Peter. In chapter 3, he says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. This is how God stirs us up by reminding us. John 14, 26. He says, I'm not just going to lead you into truth. And John chapter 16, he says, I'm not just going to show you things to come, but I'm also going to remind you of everything I have spoken to you. Amen. So we come in here and we think we know it all because we've heard it before. Mm-hmm. But if we're hearing it again, it's a tap on the shoulder. <clears throat> It's a tap on the shoulder. That's the Lord saying, if it's bugging you, if it's aggravating you, (laughs) you're not walking in it yet. (laughs) Come on now. When we're we're doing something we know, come on, when when we're uh, watching Jeopardy, which unfortunately I haven't been able to do for many years, and now that good old Alex is gone, uh, I'm not sure if I want to watch it anyway. Uh, But... um, when I'm watching that, when I was watching that show, and I knew the answer, it made me joy to hear a, repeat, a repetition. I know that. <laughs> Amen. Right. 
When we hear something we know and we're walking in, it gives us joy, folks. If it starts aggravating us when the pastor says the same thing, and more importantly, when the Lord and the Holy Spirit inside of us say the same thing over and over and over, and it starts aggravating us, it's a nice tap on the shoulder that says, you're not walking in it yet. So let's start. Well, we're here for his service. He tells us in Romans chapter 12. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Mm. This is your worship to God. The word service there is worship. This is your service to God to lay down your life. James tells us, you want to know about pure religion and undefiled? Help people and keep yourself clean. Help somebody else and be clean before God. That's your worship. That's your religion. That's your service. Amen? Amen. He says, I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. Walking after their own desires. There's a key here, folks. When we walk after our own desires, we start scoffing at truth. Mm-hmm. Paul tells Timothy, he says, perilous times will come. Mm-hmm. What's the common denominator on all, that whole list he tells us? <clears throat> it's all about us. We see a people, it's all about them. It's all about what they want. It's all about what they're doing. It's all about what they're involved in. It's all about their family. It's all about their motto, their creeds, their this, their that. Mm -hmm. All about them. Mm -hmm. And that brings us into perilous times. Mm -hmm. The Bible tells us that uh, people will perish. It says, uh, for lack of knowledge, there's another place that says, where there's no vision, the people perish, right? Yes. The the words there mean they cast off restraint. They cast off the restraints of God. And they perish. Mm -hmm. Scoffers will come, they'll walk after their own lusts. This is what they'll say, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, everything just continued the same way from the beginning of creation. Willingly ignorant of what God is doing right here, right now, what he's done in the past, what he's done now, what he will do, what the word of God plainly says he's going to do. Mm -hmm. Praise God. This is where I want to get to tonight. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. talked about this I think just last week Romans chapter 8 maybe a couple weeks ago now this just keeps coming up keeps coming up verses like 26 likewise the spirit also helped with our infirmities we're not going to focus on that right now but we see another scripture that it's it's God that searches our hearts Mm -hmm. verse 28 says and we know everybody with me Romans chapter 8 verse 28 why don't we just read it together And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Praise God. 
We know the verse. We can quote it probably, most of us. Mm -hmm. If not, certainly a good verse to memorize. And you don't even have to memorize it in the King James. Mm -hmm. You need to memorize it another one, that's fine. But you know what, what, whatever happened, a good old-fashioned Bible memorization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we're living in an age that people just don't know the word like they used to. Back in the day, just about everybody, every household had a Bible. If nothing else, they had a Bible. If they read, read anything at all, it would have been the Bible, you know, and that's, that was just about everybody. People that didn't even serve God knew their Bibles real well because that was an available book to read. Nowadays, we have everything but the Bible. I was watching this stupid video a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the people were going around to, like, college kids asking them random questions. In what book, what book starts with in the beginning? And they showed so many of these young people that had no clue. None whatsoever. Mm. Come on, there used to be a day everybody knew what book started with in the beginning. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now we're living in a generation most of our young people don't. They don't. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, what is that book? Uh, wow. mm. now, one, guy, one guy even said, doesn't every book start within the beginning? You know? <laughs> you know, doesn't every, every book start? Yeah, being sarcastic, I guess. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, there was a day that, that that would have been an easy trivia question for anybody. Yeah. Now it stumps people. Yeah. Yeah. We need to memorize our Bible. We just need to start uh, learning the Scripture again, folks. Yeah, yeah it's homework. Yeah, it's tough. tough. Yeah, it's di diligent. I tell you what I found out in my life. Uh, when I'm really interested in something, it doesn't seem like work to learn it. Ask my wife. I'm always I'm watching some kind of information of some kind. Always, mm -hmm. every free moment I get, I'm pulling up some kind of information. Something about math, science, history, language, or something really stupid about how to solve a Rubik's cube better. <laughs> but it's something I'm interested in. Yeah. 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 It's, I don't, it's not homework to me. But above all that, I'm looking into Hebrew words. Greek words. I'm looking up meanings. I'm listening to how it sounds. I'm reading it in the, in the, in the languages themselves. I'm looking at it. I'm reading it. I'm pronouncing it. You know, well, how's that going to help you be saved? I don't know. All I know is something about the word going into you. Increases my faith. Somewhere in this book right here it says that, doesn't it? Yes. Sure it does. We're looking at 28 again. We all just quote it together. Let me read it one more time and follow up on it. And we know, or at least we should, but we're going to speak it by faith, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. Folks, if you didn't know, that's my purpose. To be conformed. To be formed. To be shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Galatians, I labor again for you until Christ be formed in you. So, he's forming us to be the image of Jesus Christ on this earth. And he's also forming himself inside of us so that 
us on the outside portrays Christ. Us on the inside portrays Christ. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Come on. Some of you aren't getting that. Some of you are hearing my words, but you're not listening to what I'm saying. The Bible is talking about us being transformed and conformed into the image of His dear Son, right? Yes. Praise God. But it also, in another place in Galatians, it talks about Him being formed inside of us so that Christ in us, right. the hope of glory, right, Amen. will lead us to that salvation. And it says just a couple of verses above that, it says we are saved by hope. Well, Christ in us is the hope. It says in the same chapter 8 that if the Spirit of Christ is not in you, you are not of His. Mm. Praise God. And we will not be glorified in the end. So, well, I've got the Holy Ghost. The old timers used to, my grandfather used to say, Yeah, but does the Holy Ghost have you? Right. Yeah, amen. <laughs> you might have the Holy Ghost, but does He have you? Mm. Of course, they'd say it different down south. You might, you might have got the Holy Ghost, but did the Holy Ghost get you? Uh -huh. I want the Holy Ghost to get me. Amen. Praise God. I want Him to get me every time I mess up. I want Him to be right on me. Like white on rice. Come on, I want Him to be right on top of me. So that I don't slip off somewhere. That I don't need to go. And God has been faithful to do just that. My entire life. He also predestinated us. What is our destiny? That he put into us before the foundation of the world is to be conformed to the image. Yes. To the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate. Who he gave a destiny to. Who's got a destiny here tonight? Amen. Anybody have a destiny? Yes. I hope you all raised your hand. Some of you didn't. You don't have a destiny, get one. And God's already got one prepackaged for you. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. It's a process, folks. Amen. He gives us our destiny. We accept that destiny and we begin to be conformed to His image. He calls us and we answer, yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. Praise God. When we say, yes, Lord, He justifies us no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter who we were, no matter what we think is right or wrong or otherwise. He justifies us. He reconciles us. He compares us to His Word. You know, you know what he does? I just yes. lost my place. I'll get there. But you know what he does? He stands us in front of his word and sees how we line up. Mm -hmm. Come on, we know that out of James. Mm -hmm. James chapter 1, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go all over the place tonight. You just bear with me. James chapter 1. I don't hear pages rustling. Come on now. Get there. James chapter 1. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. He says in verse 16, uh, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Ooh, that's a tall order. Every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, of whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning of his own will. Begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. 
That's what he just told us in Romans. Different guy, same word, right? First fruits of his grief. Wherefore, my beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. You know, when you dig down into Greek in that verse, it literally means clean the wax out of your ears. And I ain't kidding. It literally means that. Get the wax out of your ears so you can actually hear what the word on the inside is saying to you. Because it's already been engrafted by the Holy Ghost. That's how we know he's talking to safe folks here. He's not talking to Joe Schmo on the street corner. He's talking to us. He's talking to Holy Ghost filled people that already have the word written in their hearts. But then he says something disturbing, if you think about it, which is able to save your souls. Wait, hold on. Well, that just proves he's talking to people who aren't saved. No, it proved that it's talking to people who are saved because he says, I'm talking to you, the people who have the word of God engrafted on your hearts. And then he says, who's able to save your souls? Wait a minute, I'm not saved. We're safe. We're safe in the arms of Jesus. Amen. I'll tell you when we're saved. We'll be saved when we're glorified. We won't be glorified unless we're justified. <laughs> we won't be justified unless we're called. We won't be called unless we have a destiny in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I wish somebody would get excited about the word tonight. It says in verse 22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. That means if you're not hearing the word, you are being deceived. If you're not hearing the word and doing the word, you are being deceived. Because we'll be like, well, I heard the word, but I don't really have to do it right now. That just makes you a hearer and not a doer. You are being deceived. Paul says again in Galatians chapter 6, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Right. Whatsoever man shall sow, that shall he also reap. Mm. Come on, we know these scriptures, don't we? I haven't preached these scriptures in a long time, but they're still in there, I guarantee you. Yes. Praise you, Jesus. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost tonight. You probably already figured that out. If any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso, come on, somebody put your hand on your chest and say, that means me. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Hallelujah. Yes. Turning back to Romans chapter 8 now. And what he says, he says, listen, I'm going to stand you next to the Word of God. I'm going to stand you and compare you to the Word of God. I'm going to see where you line up. And that's really what justification means. That's what reconciliation means. When we reconcile our checkbooks, we're making sure everything matches up, right? Yes. What he's doing when he's justifying the account. It means at the end of it all, we, we get everything down. Now, when you when you do some sort of a financial report, what you really want, in a, and especially in a nonprofit, and I and I did nonprofit books for 17 years, folks, so I know about this. What you really want at the end of the day is a nice black zero. You're not look, you're not supposed to be getting profit because it's a nonprofit. Right. It's what you're doing is not for profit. Right. You definitely don't want to have red. 
Okay? What you really want is everything to even out. At the end of the day, at the end of the year, when you bring your fiscal report to the board, you, you want everything to show that, hey, you know, we got this kind of money in, and this is what we spent, and we didn't go over this. And we're not, we're not having to declare all kinds of money because we're not here for profit anyway. Right? Right? right. You know, we, we don't have to get audited by the government because we're not raking in all kinds of dough because that was never the purpose. So when, when we're here before God and he says, I'm going to justify, I'm going to see how you line up. I'm going to see if everything evens out here. He calls that, that word in James the perfect law of liberty. He calls it a mirror. When we stand in front of a mirror, the, the, the Ecclesiastes, I think it is, one of the writings of Solomon says, you know, he talks about that candle, right? Mm. You know, that, that candle, the word is that candle. It's a light that lights things up. Psalms 119 says it's a light for our feet and path, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're seeing that. We can look into this perfect law of liberty and we can see what's wrong. We see a mirror. We see a mirror in the Old Testament tabernacle pattern, don't we? What was the labor made out of? Out of the looking glasses of the women of Israel. Yes. They're mirrors. High, finely polished brass. That's what the labor was made out of. We see that we are saved by the washing of regeneration. Titus chapter 3, right? The renewing of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we are washed by the Word. Amen? Ephesians. Everybody with me? Yes. Am I going too fast? No. This, this is what's going on. You know, this, this washing is, is a type of the word that we look into. We see our reflection. We see what needs to change. We see what needs to happen. My goodness, have you ever walked through Walmart and wondered how on earth, that, you know, people cannot possibly own a mirror? Right. Because they would not be walking around in public looking like that. Right. Come on, I'm sure we've probably, most of us, seen the people of Walmart, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they used to splash that all over the... You, know, you remember back in the day before social media, they used to do all these chain emails? Mm -hmm. Remember those? Yeah. You know, they don't do that anymore because we, we have social media. But uh, back in the day, that's how it used to happen, right? You know, you'd get like tons of these emails in your box and say, the people of Walmart, and say, oh my goodness, how can people leave their home? Mm -hmm. They must not have a mirror. <laughs> no. They have a mirror. I'm sure they do. They have a mirror... And you know, you know what it is? Well, it happens to a lot of people. It happens to people like me. You know, I lose five pounds, and I think I look good. Well, no, I don't look good. I just look a little better than I used to. Mm -hmm. But I don't look good. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you see where I'm going? It's like, oh, look at this. My profile is just a little bit slimmer. I look good. Now I can put my spandex on. No, you can't. Don't you dare. You don't want to go out like that. You don't look good. You need to lose 100 pounds and then, you know, get your body to some good shape. And even then, you shouldn't be showing it off anyway, of course. But you know, really, I mean, these people, they, they you know, they, they put on some tight, stretchy pants and it squeezes all their fat together. And they, they're still 400 pounds and they look at themselves in the mirror and go, oh, I look good. I'm going go, to go out with my high heels today. Lady, stay home. Cover it up. I'd rather see you in a burlap bag. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. That's right. You're right. But this is what we do in the kingdom of God. 
We look at the Word. We hear the Word. We, the Word is preached to us. It's taught to us. And we look into the perfect law of liberty. It's supposed to free us. And yet conform us at the same time. How can you be freed by the Holy Ghost and yet conformed by the Word? Well, that's just the special nature of what God does with us. He conforms us and frees us at the same time. We're, we're conformed in our natural man and we're freed in our spiritual man. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We're rooted and grounded by the Word, but the wind of the Spirit blows us all over the landscape. Praise God. He searches my heart. Let me go look over this again. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he also called. And whom he called him, he justified. He gave us a chance to look into that perfect law of liberty. He stood us next to it. And the good news is, he made us conform. I'm going to put the blessings of the word upon you. And who he justified, he glorified. When I glorified yet. When I glorified yet. God is good, folks. God is good. Who, who wants to be like Jesus? Amen. I want to be yes. like Jesus. Amen. I want to be like Jesus. Turn, turn to uh, Timothy. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, sorry. First Timothy. Turn to First Timothy, chapter three. First Timothy, chapter three. First Timothy, chapter three. Praise God. I want to show you some three different sets of couplets here. We're going to move on to some other things. Mm -hmm. And it might sound like I'm just shooting random shots mm -hmm. around tonight. Mm -hmm. The Lord's got a clear purpose. Because mm -hmm. we are the called according to His purpose. This is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. says, And without controversy... Great is the mystery of godliness. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. I was just talking to a couple of brothers about this yesterday. You know, that mystery there, what godliness is there. We won't go over that right now, but I will say mystery as I've taught you before. Mystery is a secret. It's a secret. Mm -hmm. But it's a secret to those who are uninitiated. Folks, I'm initiated into this thing. Mm -hmm. I have the secret sign and the secret ring and everything. No, I don't. No, in, in, the, in the Holy Ghost, I've got his robe, I've got his staff, I've got his ring. Mm -hmm. and I've got his name. Yes. In the name of Jesus, I have his name. Yes. And you do too if you're baptized into that name. You've got his robe available for you to put on. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why when the man showed up with no garment on, he said, how on earth did you get in here without a wedding garment on? Ugh. Get that guy out. Nobody gets in without the garment, right? right. How are we going to go up to the most holy place, uh -huh. the holy of holies, without a high priest garment on? We have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? Amen. Uh -huh. Praise God. Yes, yes. It might be free, and the access might be at all, but it's, it's the same thing. The Spirit frees us, and yet we're confined by the Word. We've got to have the robe on to have the freedom to go in boldly to the most holy place. Uh -huh. Praise God. That's not just free to everybody. Right. We're going by the word. Yes. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. But he says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. 
That means his works, his actions, his very physical appearance, all his miracles, all his words, all that came into this natural realm. Amen? Uh, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to look at Galatians chapter 4 just for a second. You don't have to turn there. Verse number 4, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman made under the law. We might talk a little bit about that later, but uh, I want you to think about that. It was within a specific time frame. It was in, within a specific space, locality on this earth, specifically Bethlehem of Judea, later Egypt, later Nazareth, later all over the Galilee and Judah, both. Doing a lot of preaching all over the place, even on the other side of the Jordan. Doing a lot of stuff in Jerusalem, ending up crucified, buried, and resurrected out of Jerusalem. Appeared again for 40 days. Resurrected up off the Mount of Olives. Right? So really, if you think about it, from the place he was born on the earth, and the place he was taken up was just a couple of miles away. He was born over here in Bethlehem. He was taken up off the Mount of Olives just a few miles away. But he, he didn't, as far as we know. Now some people try to say he went to India. He studied with the gurus over there. And he studied Buddha and all that. No, he didn't. No, 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 he didn't. That's a bunch of foolishness. There's absolutely nothing about that stuff. What he did is somehow he had the word of God and he studied that. He said, well, I thought he was God. He is. Yeah. He is. But his natural mind was growing. Amen? Amen. He was blossoming. He was coming sure. in to his place and he wasn't wasting his time. Mm -hmm. This is without controversy. This is a mystery. And he's going to show you. He's going to show you this side. He's going to show you this side in three different ways. He said he was manifest in the flesh, physical reality. Mm -hmm. But he was justified in the spirit. When we're justified, when we're standing in front of the word, we've got to understand it's got to be by the spirit. You cannot bring your natural self to the word of God and conform yourself to the image of the word of God with your own strength. This might seem academic to us. This might seem basic to us. But it is a common Christian failing to think that we can change ourselves. The justification, folks, comes by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Why are we always pushing you? Pray and read your Bible. Pray, read your Bible. Talk to Jesus and get in the Word. Speak in tongues a lot. You wouldn't be doing yourself a disservice if you took an hour at least out of every day and just jabbing around in tongues. We're not trying to make some foolish, charismatic religion about speaking in tongues. We're not trying to make tongues about everything. Come on, tongues is not everything. Tongues is the sign of the Holy Ghost. There is the initial filling of the Holy Ghost, and there is a gift of tongues. And let's not get confused about that. The gift of tongues is something different. The gift of tongues is not the initial sign of the Holy Ghost. And so when we're doing our prayer language, when we're praying in the Spirit, we're not operating in the gift of the Holy Ghost. We're just operating in, uh, rather, we're not operating in the gift of tongues. We're operating in the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. So what's the difference? The difference is we're getting edified even though our minds are unfruitful. But I'll tell you what I found out over the years. The more I speak in tongues, the more things bleed into my natural mind from the Spirit. Because I tell you what, it, it, it comes in like osmosis. The more your spirit man 
is, is being justified. The more your spirit man is getting edified, getting glorified in God, the more this is happening, your natural mind starts clicking in the things. Ah, ah, that's what that means. Ah, oh, I see a waterfall and it, and it tells me a picture about Jesus. I see an electron and it tells me a picture about Jesus. I, I see a magnetic field and it, and it tells me a picture about Jesus. Come on. Everything I see in nature tells me a picture about Jesus. You know, what, what's the most famous thing people say when they go to the Grand Canyon? Oh, I just realized how insignificant I was. No, 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 no. What we should see when we see the Grand Canyon is how great our God is. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Not, not, it, it's, it's not about, yes, I'm insignificant, but that's not where our focus should be. Our focus should be God yes. is way bigger than this. Mm -hmm. yes. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's like Ken Hovind likes to say, evolution says, oh, look what... What, look what evolution did in millions of years. And a creationist says, oh, look what the flood did in 10 minutes. <laughs> look what the hand of God did. He just scooped out a canyon. <laughs> no problem for God. Do you know, since about, 2000, oh, since about 1998, just about every year. Now, this is going to scare some of you. Don't be scared. We don't need to be. You know, just about every year, there's a major asteroid that flies right by this planet. Mm -hmm. Some of them are like as big as a football field. Some of them are as big as six football fields. Some of them are as big as Texas. <laughs> there, all you have to do is read the news or watch the news, and I don't recommend it, but all you have to do is keep up on these scientific journals, and you find out almost every year this major catastrophe comes about. I mean, there's one time it, it came like within 41,000 miles of the Earth. Yeah. And this is like an asteroid the size of Texas. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is it's coming from the sun. We can't see them. Right. And then all of a sudden they've passed us by and we go, wow, we almost got clobbered. <laughs> if we would got hit, hit by that, it would be what they would call an, uh, an extinction level event. An ELE. They call it an ELE. Okay? We, we would be... <laughs> <laughs> no matter where it hit. If it hit in the ocean, uh, we'd all be dead. If it hit any of the land masses, we'd all be dead. Yeah. Asteroids that big? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's happening all the time. There's probably one flying by right now. Mm -hmm. What do we need to be afraid of? God's got everything in control. <laughs> oh, he was manifest in the flesh. But he was justified in the spirit. His flesh and his ministry didn't justify him. When we stand before the throne of God, he's going to say, the people that get in, and I know I talk about this a lot. It's just been on my mind a lot. Been on my spirit a lot. Everybody cool to hang around for a little while? Yeah. Praise God. It's been on my spirit a lot. He's going to say, it's those who do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, right? Yes. But he didn't stop there. He said, many will say to me in that day, we did this, we did this, and we did this. Mm -hmm. He said, I don't know you. I don't know you. What he's saying is, all the things you do for me cannot replace my relationship with you. Right. When he's talking to Ephesus, what he says is, if you don't get back to your first love, I will remove your candlestick. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He says, if you don't repent and get back to the love relationship, the reason why you're doing the things you're doing, or that should be the reason why you're doing all these wonderful works, if you don't get back to the relationship, 
All the works will not save you. So he was manifest in the flesh. What does this mean? He was declared. You know, he was in the bosom of the Father. The Father declared him. He was declared. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Yes. Not by the will of man, not by the will of flesh. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Mm -hmm. But the foreordained purpose of God yeah. was manifest. We saw him. Um, John says we handle him, the Word of life. Mm. We touched him. We could touch him. John, John leaned upon his breast, right? He says, we handle him. The word of life, we handle him. He was manifest in the flesh. But the justification was by the spirit. So you've got flesh and spirit. We need to be showing who God is in our natural lives. But our justification does not come, to how many, uh, come by how many people we witness to, how many people we bring to God. Not how much Bible we're reading. Not how much we're speaking in tongues. Not how much we're fasting. That's the reason why Jesus says, don't let everybody know what you're giving. Don't let everybody know how much you're fasting. Don't let everybody hear you praying. Okay, that's not how we're getting justified. We're getting justified by the Spirit. The God who sees in secret rewards openly. We're manifest in the flesh, but we're justified in the Spirit. I'm going somewhere with this, folks. I want you to, I want you to see these couplets that Paul lays out. He says, seen of angels... Preached unto the Gentiles. Hmm. He was seen by creatures we can't see normally. He was witnessed. His testimony had a witness in the heavenlies, right? But the preaching went to the Gentiles. Well, when did Jesus ever preach to the Gentiles? Well, he's preaching to the Gentiles right now. Uh -huh. I'm a Gentile. You're a Gentile probably. Mm -hmm. Even if some of us have Jewish blood, we're still Gentiles. Right? We're yes. grafted in. Praise God for that. Amen. So you got a Gentile preaching to Gentile by the Spirit and unction of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is preaching to Gentiles right now. Mm. <coughs> we see Peter preached such as Gentiles. We see Paul, who's writing this to Timothy, he preached to a bunch of Gentiles by this time. Right? So, okay, well, when did Jesus ever preach to Gentiles? Well, I remember one point where a bunch of Gentiles came up to Philip who had a Greek name. He was probably a libertine Jew who was born outside of the land because he didn't even have a Hebrew name. He probably spoke Greek as a first language, and uh, he probably knew the language of the land, too, which many people think is Aramaic. We're not uh, totally sure of that. Everybody thinks that's the case, but we don't know. Anyway, uh, but the, these uh, Greek-speaking people came to who? They came to the Greek in the midst of the group. All the other guys had Hebrew names, right? Philip had a Greek name, which means he's probably grown up in a Greek household. Even if he wasn't grown out, up outside the land, he at least grew up in a Greek, probably libertine household. All right? He probably grew up reading the Septuagint. That's the Greek version of the Bible. And so they went to Philip and said, we would see Jesus. Anybody remember that passage? Yes. We would see Jesus. I, I'm remembering that one. And apparently they got to see Jesus. Je yeah. Jesus' purpose, he says, I have come uh, uh, for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But he, he dealt with the woman up in, uh, up in the uh, Syrophoenician woman, right? Mm -hmm. uh, up in the northern part of the land. Mm -hmm. Technically outside of the land of Israel. Yeah, he dealt with her, and he even used examples. Who did Elijah get sent to? The woman of Zarephath, right? Yeah. You know, and they got so mad at him, they wanted to throw him off a cliff when he started saying stuff like that. Because mm -hmm. they said, hey, I'm here. 
Uh, James quoted out of Amos that he would be a light to the Gentiles. Uh, Paul, you know, same thing. You know, Jesus is being preached to those of the nations. And that's, that's really what it's talking about here. We already looked at Psalm 100 here tonight. It says, make a joyful noise, uh, all you lambs, right? All you nations. Praise God. So he was. So we see manifest in the flesh, and that's not a bad thing, by the way, for manifesting God through our bodies. Justified in the Spirit, though. Justified in our relationship with the Spirit of God. Amen. He was seen of the angels. Well, what I believe it's saying here is when angels are seeing you, what they're seeing is they're getting involved in the ministry that God has got on your life. They are here for, uh, to help the inheritors, right? That's what it says in Hebrews chapter uh, 1, right? Anybody remember that? I think we just read that last week. They, are they not all ministering spirits? Set forth the minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation, right? That's what these angelic spirits are doing. And if they're seeing Jesus, they're watching everything he's doing. They're watching. They're there. They're, they're, they're operating behind the veil in the spiritual theater. And yet the preaching of his words goes out to the Gentiles. So again, we've got a natural spiritual realm. We've got flesh and spirit. We've got spirit and flesh. I would suspect the last one would be the same. Anybody think that that could be the possible? Yeah. Any, oh, very possible. Okay, thank you. Well, it's not just possible. That's the way it is. That's the way it the, is. The last couplet. I, I think you guys. I think I lost some of you back a few uh, pages ago. Okay, snap two, folks. Come on, focus in. Saint of angel preached unto the Gentiles. The last couplet is believed on in the world. world. Received up into glory. Can, can you see what's going on here? Natural world, spiritual world. Natural world, spiritual world. Natural world, spiritual world. Three different ways of saying it. You know, what's, what's the mystery? The mystery of godliness is we have the Holy Ghost inside of us and we still are living in uh, corrupt bodies. Come on, every single one of us, if you've been saved any, any length of time at all, you have asked yourself the question, how could God love or save a corrupt person like me? Because if you're honest with yourself, you know there's things inside of you that are not right. Yes. Amen. So, well, I'm not going to claim that and curse that and, and deny that. No, you shouldn't either. Right. We should do just the opposite. I am the redeemed of the Lord. Yes. I am the ho I'm a holy child of God. Amen. I am saved and sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes. Come on, we should proclaim that. Yes, we shouldn't be living in the old world, the old sin, but let's, let's understand. Even like Paul says, everything I'd like to do, I end up not doing, and everything I don't want to do, I somehow end up doing. Yeah. And, um, oh, that was just Paul talking about his unsaved life. No, it was not. That was Paul talking about his saved life. Now, should we read it again in Peter? He says, hey, listen, or rather James, clean out the wax out of ears so that you can receive the engrafted word He's, so that you may be able to get saved. He's talking to people who are, in our estimation, already saved and talking about their being saved in a future sense. And I know some of you are looking at me like, I got three heads. He's like, you're confused. this pastor. I'm not trying. The Holy Ghost is not trying to confuse us here tonight, folks. He's saying, yes, it's a mystery to the uninitiated. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's foolishness to the Greeks, and it's a stumbling block to the Jews, right? right. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, what sense does it make to a Greek mindset? You make and break your own fortune in a Greek mindset. It doesn't really matter what you do. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it matters what you believe. In a Greek mindset, in a Western mindset, it does not matter what you do. You can sin, 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 as long as you've got the right doctrine. Come on, this is the face of Christianity today, folks. As long as I believe in Jesus' name, baptism, the oneness of God, in Acts 2.38, I'm going to heaven. Think again. And rather, don't think again, pray again. Amen. And, and, and quote Ephesians 3.20. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. Thank God he can because I can't ask and think big enough to save this guy. I can't do anything. He said, well, what about Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse 40? I don't know why I did a high voice on that one, but... He says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. What about Philip? Uh, rather not Philip, but rather Paul to the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. Well, what about those scriptures? <laughs> oh, yeah, those are good, those are good arguments. Well, I, oh, I've got an answer in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. It's God that works in us. Amen. Praise God. It's God that fills us. Amen. We, we turn away from our sin and we, we, we allow Jesus to wash away in his own precious blood. Amen. And the gift of the Holy Ghost is now available to us. The justification of the Holy Ghost is for us. This stuff is a mystery. How can we live in this natural world and somehow the Holy Ghost see, sees fit to live inside of me? Have you asked yourself a question? I know you have. If you've been saved any time at all, you, you, you've asked that question. How can God even stand me? I can't stand myself a lot of times. It's a mystery. But you know what? It's, not a, it's a mystery to the natural mind because the natural mind is uninitiated. I should have kept my finger in Romans chapter 8 because uh, it gives us the answer. No, you don't have to turn there. Uh, I'm going to read it to you real quick. But I'm, I'm going to finish this idea out of 1 Timothy. It says, For to be carnally minded is death. This is... Uh, um, this is uh, Romans chapter 8, verse number 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It can't. Our carnal mind cannot be initiated. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Our natural mind cannot receive from the Spirit. So yes, how is it that God can be in this corrupt guy right here? It's a mystery. Yep, it's a mystery to my natural mind, but it is not a mystery to my spirit. That's why I say, folks, we need to speak in tongues a lot. Amen. Because that is an edification in the spirit. When we don't know what to pray, Romans 8, 26, back again in Romans 8, it says the spirit helps our infirmities. Yeah. Yes. And it prays for us. It's intercession. And the book of Hebrews says he ever lived to make intercession for us. Well, somebody, let's just put your Bibles down for a second and thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. Come on, if you got the Holy Ghost, and I know you do, if you got the Holy Ghost, we need to start thanking God for the Holy Ghost, folks. We need to start operating in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God, for the Holy Ghost that goes beyond my flesh. Lord God, thank you for the Holy Ghost that can take me beyond this. Lord, I thank my God through Jesus Christ who is able to save me from the body of this death. Yes, Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, for the Holy Thank Spirit, for the Comforter inside of me, Lord God. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The power of God, for the divine nature that lives inside of me. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise God. Praise God. I know I've already given you enough scriptures to, to fill up a Bible college course, but we're going to go a little bit further tonight, shall we? He was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. The mystery is, if we're to be like Jesus, how can we have all that too? Well, we need to manifest God in the flesh. Let's read it again. Let's read it again. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Who was manifest in the flesh? God was manifest in the flesh. Is God in you? He should be Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? What was he prophesied out of the book of Isaiah to be called? Emmanuel, God with us. How about this? Emmanuel, God in us. Not just with us, in us. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. Praise God. And everything was made by Him. If it was made at all, it was made by Him. Thank you, Jesus. So God was manifest in the flesh. So what He wants is for us to walk in the same way that Jesus walked. That God would be manifest in our flesh. But that our being would be justified in the Spirit. That the angels would see and work with our ministry. Uh, and it, that they would literally bear us up. At least we dash our foot against the stone. Mm. Psalm 91, right? Mm -hmm. While, what are they seeing us do? They're seeing us preach. They're seeing us preach to the Gentiles. Preach to the world. Preach to the nations. Preach to our families. Preach to our neighbors. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. He was believed on in the world, thank God. But this is not our final destination. We shall be received up into glory. And again, back to Romans chapter 8. If we don't have the spirit of Christ, we're none of his, and we cannot see our mortal deeds, our mortal members glorified. God is so good, folks. I, I, I'm, I'm not ready to stop yet. I'm not ready to stop yet. Okay? We, we started off with Romans chapter 8, 28. We know everything's going to work out all right. Everything's going to work out all right. Because mm -hmm. we're the call according to his purpose. What, we, we see a couple of things here in the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes says in chapter 3, To everything there is a season. Every, everybody say everything. Everything. Everything has a season. <clears throat> And a time to every purpose under the heaven. Mm -hmm. Let's just read it real quick. We won't belabor, belabor the point. Time to be born and die. Time to plant and pluck up. Time to kill and heal. Time to break down. Time to build up. Time to weep. Time to laugh. Time to mourn. Time to dance. Cast away stones. Gather stones together. Embrace. Stop embracing. A time to get. Time to lose. Time to keep. Time to cast away. Time to rend, time to sow, time to keep silence, time to speak, time to love, time to hate, time of war and time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in the wherewith he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. 
He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world for eternity in our hearts, so that no man can find out the work that God make, maketh from the beginning until the end. Let's flip over to chapter 9, verse 11. It says this, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. What that means is it's not a crapshoot. We're not rolling the dice here. We're not playing uh, you know, at the cas casino here. Okay? It's not what diverse means. What it means is every man has a chance and every man has a time to fulfill his destiny. Yes. But if you miss your chance and you miss your time, come on, you're, what are you going to do? Mm. Everything has a purpose. The problem with Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is in just about, if not every category that we read down those verses, again, I'm not going to go back over them, there is one that we like better than the other. Generally, I'm going to want peace rather than war. How many, how many wishes the uh, struggles over in Eastern Europe would just end peaceably? Amen. Sure. But this is yet another event leading us into the end times, folks. Yes. yes. Okay? Yes. It is. You shall see wars and rumors of wars. Yes. Okay? We didn't think it could get to this point. And some people have said, oh, if Trump was president, it never would have happened. Well, maybe that's exactly why Trump's not president. Because the Lord says, I need it to happen. This is just one more domino getting flicked over. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not uncompassionate to the people suffering. Mm -hmm. But they need to be saved above all else. Mm -hmm. Okay, first of all, they need to be saved. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you pray for them, pray for their salvation. Don't just pray that war will end. You might be praying against God's global agenda. Uh, this is this is stuff that I, I don't usually talk much about. I'll, I'll share it with you briefly. I have told a couple of men of God in the last several weeks. Uh, they, I, I've had to tell them straight from a spirit of prophecy. Yes, do this. Yes, do not do that. And I'm talking high-ranking men. And I'm not trying to lift myself up. But the Lord gave me a word for them, and so I spoke it to them. I said, there is a global agenda of the enemy that God is allowing to be in place. We're not to pray for that right now. We're not to pray against it right now. And by confirmation of the word and the spirit, they, they understood, okay, yes, there's certain things we don't touch. The understanding that God gave me is there are certain things I'm letting the devil do in the world. Because just like when he crucified me, he didn't really know what he was doing. He thinks he's accomplishing his own end. But it was always the purpose for Jesus to die for our sins, wasn't it? Yes. You, you remember 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I think around verse 7 or 9, somewhere in there, right? Mm -hmm. If the princes of this world had known, they never would have crucified That's right. the Lord. It's the same kind of deal. There are things that God is letting the devil do on a global scale. I know that's kind of hard for us to swallow. Mm -hmm. The Lord literally says, it's not time to start praying against it. If you pray for Ukraine or Russia, whichever side you're on, I know they're, they're really pushing the righteousness of the Ukraine. I'm not into it. I'm not into it. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying, if you're praying against that war, ask God what to pray about. Mm -hmm. First of all, you should say, Lord God, save them souls. Yes, amen. Save souls. Amen. And Russia and Ukraine both. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know me, I don't usually get into the political mm -hmm. stuff. 
That's, that's the reason you've never heard me talk about it till, till now. This has been going on for a while. It's not, it's not brand new news. Even me, who, when it comes to news, I kind of have my head buried in the sand, but even I've heard the war over in Ukraine, right? We'd rather have peace than war, wouldn't we? Yes. Well, let's, let's take every other item on the list. We'd rather live rather than die. Yes. We'd rather get rather than lose. Mm -hmm. Come on, every one of these, there, there's one that's more attractive to the other, and yet the Almighty God speaking through the man of God here, well, who calls himself the preacher in chapter 1, he says there's a time for all. And God it makes everything beautiful in his time. Mm -hmm. So when we read Romans... Is that all things work together for the good. Those who love God are the called according to his purpose. we got to get into the business of finding out his purpose. Mm -hmm. For me. Mm -hmm. A purpose for my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. A purpose for my family. Amen? Amen. My extended family. My household. Amen. Okay? The sphere of influence that I'm in. The people that I'm regularly around. I need to know God's purpose. And it might not all be love and fluff every day. And there might be some of the negative side. And sometimes there might be positive side. And we think, oh, everything's going good. That must mean God's in it. Everything's going bad. I must be bad or I must admit. Hey, don't second guess what God's doing, folks. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a time to lose for all of us. There's things he's stripping away. Yes. It's a purpose. Mm -hmm. There's a purpose to it. There's a purpose to it, folks. Mm -hmm. Amen. Turn with me to 2 Kings. What time do we have? You willing to hang out for a little bit later than we usually do? Good. I'm glad you are. Thank you. <laughs> you guys just don't answer quick enough. That's all. I'm just having to answer for you. Anyway, in 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. If you don't know the story, it's a good story. A lot of good stories here. Uh, stories about my favorite prophet. A lot of people's favorite prophet might be the bigs like Elijah, but my favorite prophet is Elisha because I identify with that bald-headed dude. And uh, I identify with him just sitting up in his house and letting people come to him and say, yeah, I don't feel like going out and talking to that guy. I just tell him to go dip in the Jordan. <clears throat> yeah, that's me. Hey, Lord, can I have that job? <laughs> hey, here I am. I'm the prophet. You need something from God? Come to me. I'll maybe let my, my kid talk to you. Well, who was Elisha? He was the man who poured water on the hands of Elijah, right? Mm -hmm. In effect, he was Elijah's servant. Right. Uh, more correctly, he was, he was Elijah's son in the Lord. Because when Elijah went up, what did he say? My father, my father. Right? Right? Well, we see that Elisha's got a servant too. Who was the servant? He was the next man in line. I've heard a lot of preachers say it was a shame that Elisha did not carry on the spiritual lineage into a son. He was doing that. We see a man named Gehazi. Now, the Lord's downloaded me a lot of information about Gehazi. I, I'm not going to share it with you tonight. I'm just going to share this one story. A lot of good stories. My, my favorite prophet, right here, Elisha, he... The, the story is, is one of my favorite ones. God's given me a lot of understanding and revelation out of 2 Kings chapter 5. What happens is the Syrian general comes to his house and he gets all mad that the guy, uh, the man of God, tells him to dip in the Jordan. And uh, finally he gets convinced, yeah, I'll do it. So he does it. And 
And he comes back, hey, it worked, and I'm going to give you all this stuff. And Elisha said, I don't want your money. Go back, you go back to Syria. He's like, well, uh, he says a weird thing. He says, um, can, I, can I take some of the dirt? Is that, is that in there? Yeah, read it again. It's in there. He asked if he could take some of the dirt of Israel back with him to Syria. Now, I don't really fully understand what that means. But he felt like, hey, this is God's land. When I go back to my king and he rests on my arm, he's going to be serving his false gods. Can, can, you, can you ask for a, uh, an indulgence? <laughs> you guys know what an indulgence is, right? Yeah. <laughs> can, can I get an indulgence, Lord, on this one? When, when I go into the temple of this false god, I, I wonder if this guy spread out some of the earth of Israel and say, okay, Lord, now I'm still in your land. Boom, mm. man, I just felt the Holy Ghost on that one. Amen. Praise God. He, he, he filled up a couple of donkeys worth of dirt from Israel. Took it back home with him. But we know that after Elisha being the surly prophet that he was, he's like, get out of here. You know, I, don't, I don't want to see you. I don't want to know you. You're an enemy. Fine, God wants to heal you. That's his business, but I don't have to like you. Get gone out of my property. So he leaves, and Gehazi's like, you know what? This guy's got a lot of money. Guy brought a lot of goods with him. Let me go get some. So he runs up, and he, he lies straight to him. Oh, hey, listen, my, uh, my master, he changed his mind. A couple of the sons of the prophets are coming by, and he wants to have, give them two changes of clothes and, and, and whatever, yada, 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 you know. So he gets the stuff, but in uh, verse... Um, 24, and when he came to the tower, he took uh, them from their hand and bestowed them in the house, and he let the men go, and they departed. In other words, he took the goods, and, they, and Naaman and his guys went back home. Verse 25, in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse number 25, but he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said unto him, Whence cometh thou Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. I didn't go anywhere. He lied to the general. That's not, that's not excusable. It's bad enough to lie to the general. Then he goes and he lies to a man that he is his servant, a man he's seen perform miracles, and a man that he give, has seen give the powerful word of God. And he lies to the man because of money, basically. Well, what happens? Verse 26, and he said unto him, Went not thine heart, uh, not mine heart with thee. This is Elisha talking now. Went not mine heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? It is, is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? Whoa, hold on. Gehazi didn't get olive yards and vineyards and men servants and maid servants. He just got a few clothes and some money. But Elisha takes it to the next level. Gehazi, didn't my heart go with you? Now, Gehazi should have known better because at the beginning of this chapter, we, or uh, rather in chapter 4, we find out that Elisha, by the Spirit, are hearing what going, is going on in the secret councils of the enemies, the enemy kings. How do they always know where we're going to be? They said, there's a man of God down there. Okay. And the Lord shows him everything. Oh, we're going to get him. Right? 
No, I'm sorry. It's not chapter 4. It's in chapter 6. Well, we can look at that. Uh, maybe we will. I don't know. I'm not going to hold you too long. But what I'm trying to say is he looked, he looked at his servant. And even though his servant only had some money and clothes, I mean, this, this servant should have had at least a rudimentary knowledge of the word. Didn't he remember about the Babylonish garments and the wedge of gold? Right. Anybody remember that story? There was a whole valley named after this guy named Achan. Why? Because he got killed there with his family. Why? Because God said, don't take anything out of Jericho. Achan decided he liked that Babylonish garment and he wanted that money. Money and clothes, right? <laughs> Paul said, if you have food and raiment, be content with whatever you have, right? Gehazi obviously had already had some clothes, but he wanted some more. He wanted some nice, nice something. He wanted some money. And, and Elisha looks right in his heart and says, it's not the time to get this stuff. Well, Gehazi didn't have all that stuff. But, but here's the thing, what the Lord is showing us. It's in his mind. You know what? Okay, we're up, we're up here in this rock. We're basically starving to death because everybody hates my master because he's just a jerk prophet. Nobody likes to listen to those guys. The only time we ever get paid is when people come by to to, you know, ask the word of God for us. And, and now Elisha's not even taking good money from a rich dude. Guy's a dummy. Might as well make some money when you can, right? So Gehazi's like, you know what? Let me see. Let me see. And if I get this, I, you know, I can buy, I can buy, buy olive yards, and I can buy vineyards, and I can get servants, and I can do this, and all the stuff I'm doing. I'll, I'll be living pretty, too. I'll be dressed like a rich man. I'll have servants like a rich man, and I'll just throw it up the chain towards Elisha. I'll be giving Elisha all kinds of good meals, and he won't even know where they came from because of, I'm so smart. No, Elisha said, didn't my heart go with you? Don't you understand how the prophet works? <laughs> I wasn't to take any money from that guy. You, as my servant, weren't to take any money from that guy. You went beyond me and did it anyway. And what happened? He said, uh, The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. And that's the end of Gehazi, right? He's dead. He's it. That's he's dead. No, he's not dead because we know he's going to go out and have children. It says so. Mm -hmm. Prophesy. But you know what else? Tur turn ahead a little bit to Second uh, Kings chapter 8. It says, Then spoke Elisha unto the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise. This is verse number 1 of 2 Kings 8. Go thou in thine household and sojourn whithersoever, wheresoever rather, thou canst sojourn, for the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came to pass at, uh, at the seven years end that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines. And I say Philistines and Philistines interchangeably. Don't let it bother you. And she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. And the king talked with Gehazi. So a couple of chapters later, he's still around. Everybody seeing this? He's still around. And uh, he says, uh, he talked with Gehazi, 
the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, that, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. Now understand, seven years later, Gehazi is still a servant to Elisha. So if you read in chapter 5, mm -hmm. it looks like Gehazi's done. He went out from his presence. That sounds pretty final. That sounds to me kind of like Adam and Eve going out from the presence of the Lord, out of the Garden of Eden, right? Mm -hmm. So if you read that alone, you're like, oh, Gehazi's a dead man. He's going to go die of leprosy. Well, what was the purpose, the Old Testament purpose for leprosy? To get people's attention. Mm. Okay, he says it will cleave to you and your seed. Why? Because it will go down generations according to Exodus 20. But Gehazi is now standing in front of the king of Israel. I cannot believe for a second, this is like seven years later now, but I can't believe for a second that a leprous man is getting to walk next to a king and talk to him pers in person. Anybody see that? Yeah. I know I'm going late. I'm trying to make a point. What I'm trying to show you is he's still a servant of the man of God even seven years later. Right? Mm -hmm. And he's also healed of leprosy. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's, oh, even when we mess up, it's not always hopeless. Mm -hmm. But listen, it would have been better for him not to get a generational curse from a man of God. Mm -hmm. Just because he wanted a little money. Briefly, let me, let me talk about, I'm going to shut my Bible, because if I keep opening it, I'll be here for longer. Let me briefly talk about chapter 6. What happens in chapter 6? They find out that this prophet, Elisha, knows their secret counsels. So they go and surround where he is. And the servant of the man of God, unnamed in chapter 6, says, oh, my goodness. And Elisha said, oh, Lord, open his eyes. I, it doesn't say it was Gehazi. In fact, it calls him a young man. And I don't know if Gehazi was a young man. But I wonder, because Gehazi was a servant in chapter 5, he's a servant in chapter 8. I'm wondering if in chapter 6, the young man whose eyes were opened was Gehazi. The name Gehazi means vision in the valley. Or the valley of vision. And that word valley there means really not just a valley, but a steep gorge. In other words, when you're walking through it, you can't see anything because the walls are so high. You can't see anything. Yeah. And yet, it's vision in the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. And thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, right? Amen. Psalm 23? Yes. I'm wrapping this up, but I, I want to point out something to you. His, his very name meant vision in a place where there's very little vision. Praise God. We, we, we need to be Gehazis, even if we mess up from time to time. We need to learn how to get a vision. So what did God do for Gehazi? He fulfilled his namesake, didn't he? He opened his eyes to see that there's greater things around us than all the bad stuff that's happening. The man of God didn't feel bad at all. It wasn't trouble at all. There was an army that came to kill him. He's just one old bald man. And he's like, it's not a problem. And here's the cool thing. He opens, I don't know if it was Gehazi, but he opens the servant's eyes. Right? The Lord did it, but he, he called for it. So the servant's eyes get opened. What did he do to the armies? 
He closed their eyes. Lord, or I don't even know if you prayed. I think he just declared it. You're going to be blind. The whole army went blind. He led them to the king's palace in Samaria. And then the king said, thanks, Elijah. We're going to kill him. Elijah said, you're not going to kill him. You're going to let him go. If God wanted to kill him, he would have killed him. He just wanted to make him blind. And Elisha also proclaimed that their eyes be open. This is what God will do to us when we need to. See, we, we think everything's bad. We just need the mystery. to be. We just need to be initiated into the spiritual mystery. We need to be seen of angels, amen? And we also need to see the angels. And that's what Gehazi did. Well, if it was Gehazi, that's what happened. He got his eyes open to the mystery. Hey, this ain't so bad. Hey, even if it's a time to lose right now, it's not so bad. Praise you, God. Because God is surrounding us. The angel of the Lord encamps about them that fear the Lord. Yes. Praise you, God. God. He remembers me. He knows who I am. He's not just going to leave me high and dry. Can we stand together? Can we come up front together? I know I've gone a little longer than normal. and I see some of you yawning. I'm not trying to bore you. I'm trying to give you the Word of God. There's a time for everything first, uh, folks. We are the call according to the purpose of God. Amen? Yes. Everything's going to work out just fine. It may not always be fine in every moment. Because there's going to be some times, and every purpose under heaven not, will sometimes be to throw away. Sometimes it will be to gather. Sometimes it will be to kill instead of heal. We'd rather do the healing than the killing. But we're going to have to just get used to God's timetable, God's plan, God's schedule mm -hmm. as sovereign God. Can we bunch in just a little closer, close enough to touch each other? Can we pray for each other before we leave? In the name of Jesus. Lord God, just like the young man in 2 Kings 6, can you open our eyes to see that there's an army encamped about us, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. No matter how bad things might get in the world, no matter how bad things might get in the church, or with our finances, or with our families, or whatever it is, Lord God, help us to understand your time, your purpose, so that you can come in the fullness of time that we would be initiated. Yes. That we would be justified in the Spirit, Lord God, seen of angels and received into glory, yes. into this glorious Jesus. mystery that we can receive God. the liberty of the Spirit, but Hallelujah. the conforming in our natural Jesus. selves, Lord God, by the Spirit. Lord God, I ask that you would implant this word into our hearts. We thank you for the people that are here tonight to hear this word, to be strengthened in the power of your life. Lord God, to fulfill our destiny, our calling, our justification, and our glorification. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just rejoice in the Lord before we leave tonight? Thank you, Lord God, for your word of God. Thank you, Lord God, for your word of God. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you, Lord God, for your coming. Pray about it. Think about it. Jesus. Speak in tongues about it. Amen. Ask Jesus about it. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Thank you. I didn't do it. <laughs>